0: participate, engage, speak out, use your voice to be an effective advocate. The Voices in Advocacy podcast examines the diverse landscape of advocacy, exploring the ins and outs of building influence, driving change, and creating champion advocates. It's now time for the Voices in Advocacy podcast with your host, Roger Ricker. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Voices and Advocacy podcast, now in Season 3. I'm Roger Rickard, President and Founder of Voices and Advocacy, where we work with organizations to inspire, educate, engage, and activate your supporters by turning them into effective, influential advocates. And this is the podcast dedicated to the art of advocacy. This podcast is for the people that work and engage in their advocacy efforts. For their organizations, be they corporations, associations, trade organizations, and nonprofit cause groups. If you're one of the people that work to build advocacy and grow your community of advocates, then you are in the right place. Now, let's get started. In today's episode, I'm pleased to report that we are going to be speaking with Jack Johnson, the Chief Advocacy Officer for Destination International. Jack manages the overall public policy operations at Destinations International, including member advocacy education and training, development of destination tools and best practices, coalition work with peer organizations, industry research, and related public affairs activities. He has received numerous accolades, including being named as one of successful meetings 25 most influential people in the meetings industry in 2018, for his work on opposing travel boycotts and bans. Prior to Destinations International, Jack was the chief administration officer and senior vice president public policy for Choose Chicago where he was instrumental in extensive reforms. I could go on and on and on, as I've known this man for a number of years and his background and qualifications are undeniable. Jack, it's great to be with you again, and thank you, and welcome to today's show.
1: Oh, Roger, it's great to be here. Thank you so much.
0: Well, um, I'm glad we were able to catch up on this and, and get this thing started. So before we go any further, I'm sure that there will be some in the audience that will not know what a destination organization is. So explain to the audience what a destination organization is and why they are so important to a community.
1: Yeah, there is a kind of a very traditional definition, which is uh, uh, they're the the tourism board or the uh, tourism promotion agency or the convention and visitor bureau uh, that is located in a destination. They're kind of like authorized by the local unit of government or the state government, or in the case of something like Brand USA by the federal government. Um, and their job has traditionally been to just promote and sell the the destination to uh, leisure tourists and to business tourists and to conventions and trade shows and and major events like sporting events and such like that.
0: Um, Well, and, and if I remember correctly, the organization has morphed and changed its name over the years. It used to be the International Association of Convention and Visitors Bureau, correct?
1: Yeah, uh, we were a Destination Marketing Association International, and then about four or five years ago, we shortened it all down to Destinations International, um, in grave part because the uh, destination organizations, who are the entities that we represent, kind of morphed into much broader, uh, much bigger, more important organizations in their communities. They're no longer just um, promoting it for tourism. Promoting it for meetings and conventions, they're they're now promoting the destination as a whole. They basically um, own the brand, they produce the brand, they they defend the brand, they they uh, um, um, argue and tell stories based on the brand, um, which is critical to any forward movement by any community. Because with us all being communicated, excuse me, interconnected now, thanks to the internet, thanks to everything else. Uh, all our members can uh, have residents that can yeah. live anywhere, work anywhere. Um, they're competing for jobs. They're competing for capital, and investment, uh, customers. And while we've always been kind of pigeonholed in the past as being just about tourism, we're really about all those things. Um, so the number one thing that starts economic development, the one, one thing that starts new, temp, new people moving into a place, the number one thing that brings... You know, capital investment, the number one thing that brings tourists is all the same thing, which is the brand of the of the the brand of the destination, uh, which is followed up by a visit to the destination. And then all the pieces fall in place.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and we'll address economic development here as we go along. With that, uh, in a brief statement, can you define what your mission is as Destinations International and who your members then are?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Destinations International is the trade association for uh, destination organizations, those tourism bureaus, those convention bureaus um, worldwide. Um, We're in 15 countries, I believe, right now, primarily the United States and Canada. Um, We have strongholds in various pockets around the world, and we're expanding quickly. Um, But our job is to educate our members to raise the uh, Uh, profile of our industry, to increase the understanding of our industry, um, to assist um, at national levels the lobbying organizations for travel. So we support U.S. Travel Association in their efforts in the United States. We support uh, the Tourism Association of Canada, TIAC in Canada, and various other organizations throughout the world. Um, and then we really assist our, our destinations with the research, with the information, with the with the you know thought leadership uh, that they need to actually uh, carry out their job at a, a state or province or local level.
0: So, so with that, I you know in the industry uh, in which your members exist, there's a term called destination relevance. Mm-hmm. So what is that? And I think you probably already explained mo- most of that a little bit earlier, but I'll give you a chance to, to bring it up again.
1: Well, let me let me back up a little bit with what we've been doing the last couple of years, which is trying to get destination organizations to break from the way they've been viewing themselves in the past and go back to actually the way they started out, which was being a very civic um, uh, initiative by uh, government and city leaders and industry leaders. Um, and that's where we're trying to get them back to. We're trying to get them to remember that why visitors are important and they're the number one link to visitors, while uh, you know people who write blogs and are influential in the travel industry, why tour operators and wedding planners and event planners are all very important to, to work to get the job done. They're not the customer. We want them to go back and realize that the customer, the the beneficiary of everything they do, which is to drive tax revenue, to drive uh, economic activity, to drive wages and jobs uh, and just general spending um, is all for the community. They're they're an integral part of that community. Um, And so shifting our destination organizations to going back and interacting with the community, engaging with the community, Um, and having relevance within that community um, and to be known within that community um, is is critical to that. It's it's like the number one step. You really will never be fully effective um, at what you do um, unless you're relevant within that that industry, in your community. And that includes not just being known, but also being appreciated, being understood, being respected, to being uh, seen as a collaborator when there's a problem, oh, call these guys, they know everything. Um, they're being transparent and a whole bunch of other values that we've outlined, but basically, uh, relevance in the community is the most important thing. Um, it puts you, since most of our members are supported by some sort of tax money or money that's collected on their behalf by a local government. Um, they really need to be on the front side of all the decision making as opposed to the back side. So they have to be not be a special interest where I think we've put ourselves before, but put us on the front side um, with a as a what I call public good. We are um, something that should be backed by a common value within the community. And I would compare what we do to the need for utilities, um, electric and water and sewer, the need for education, the need for first responders, um, the need for economic development, um, the need for infrastructure, all the things that the government is a priority to do. Um, Destination promotion in today's world is part of that.
0: And it it kind of goes back to uh, explaining the value of what they do to all the different stakeholder groups that that are within that community, and that may what include the the business community, it may include the civic part of the community. Naturally, we know it includes the elected officials. Uh, any other key constituent groups there?
1: Yeah, uh, well, we always talk about you know, there's the usual suspects, which are as the the industry partners, the hotels, the restaurants, the airports, the taxis. Um, uh, the attractions, the events, um, the convention center, whatever. And then there's that second area, which is basically your government at the local, state or province level or whatever is, is engaging with you and, and collects your money or where you receive money from. But, but then beyond that is what we call the un, the unusual suspects. And if you're a destination uh, that is well-known and, re- and seen positively, if you're a destination where people want to visit, as uh, Maura Gass laid out you know, 10, 12 years ago, uh, if you if you want to visit there, then that's a place where people want to live. And if people want to live there, that's a place they want to work. And if they want to work there, that means business is going to follow um, and hire those workers. And it keeps going on and on. So universities, who really work very hard to attract uh, uh, not just students, but um, faculty, um, they need that they need that brand they need that that ability Uh, any of your major employers anyone who's competing for the anything in the workforce um the capital investment that's out there um just talent in general which will bring more um destination promotion is i think coming more and more a major factor in uh talent moving to various destinations uh, attracting that talent because it's really about that brand that image and that lifestyle and that really gels with what destination promotion is.
0: And and, and you make a really good point. And, and it reminds me of, a, uh, of something that I was well aware of. Many years ago in the Phoenix area, uh, the CEO at the time of Motorola had come out, visited, loved the destination uh, because of visiting here, wanted his family to live here and eventually brought in multiple divisions of Motorola into the city. And at one point employed over 40,000 people in a city that is not near the size it is <laughs> yeah. now. So they became the major player simply because the CEO came and visited. So that harkens back to the storytelling that you're saying of, of how do you communicate that uh, to the different stakeholders with, with, within the community?
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting now that you're saying um people moving out of California, people who have the ability to work multiple locations, where they're going. And it's almost tied to a, a very successful destination organization there, whether it's Phoenix or, or uh, Sedona, whether it's um, Salt Lake City. Um, there's tons of locations that are gaining in population, Texas even, um, not just because they're Texas or Arizona, and they, but because of the lifestyle that is portrayed in that brand. Um, as well as the economics.
0: Yeah, and I think that you bring up a great point because ultimately our society is going to even be more mobile. Uh, You know, the pandemic pushed that faster, uh, but we see that all over the place. And you're right. People are going to go where they want to live and not just simply go to a place because that's where they have to go to work. Um, You and I are both aware that I'm, I'm aware of the number of the issues that affect your, your membership and the success of your members. Uh, for the audience, would you say that most of these issues are at the local and maybe state level as opposed to the federal level?
1: Um, it's a mix. Um, the basic funding and authorization and support that a destination organization has is pretty much tied to the local government that it's in. Like I said, our membership is you know, there's like, what, 132 countries in the world. We have uh, over 600 members, and most of those members are cities and counties um, or local localities of some sort in in a destination or in in a governing area. Um, So the basic survival and the basic um, job that they do is so tied to those local issues, which is why we stress so hard to actually, you know, engage in a 12-month advocacy plan that's engaging not only the elected officials, but also the community itself. Um, if you can get the community behind you, the elected officials will follow. <laughs> yeah, we, um, we
0: know that they, they will follow the pack wherever the pack goes.
1: Right, uh-huh. right. Um, yeah, so there we- are a host of federal issues, obviously, that have been highlighted, I think, in the last couple of years. Um, what happens in terms of of uh, the ability to move from one country to another. There are visa issues. There's um, border and control issues. Um, there's... Um, a variety of those things that are being re-examined through the lens of, of health now, as well as security, so um, those are very important. Uh, with billions and billions of people literally crossing borders um, before the pandemic, um, it is a huge, huge market. And the United States, for instance, is one of the leading players in terms of attracting foreign visitors. People need to remember, and I don't. I don't have to tell you because I think you're the one who told me. Um, but um, when a visitor comes from outside the country, that's a, that's basically an export because, and it's better than it's better than selling them a car because you have to build the car and then send it over to them and then bill them and get the check. These folks, they come here, they get their product, which is that experience, and they leave the money and they go away. And then they tell, it's it's it's. Cleaner. And then that
0: money, and then that money multiplies within the community as it trickles right. down through the people that received, received that money uh, very, very much so. Um, we know that, and I don't wanna make this all about uh, where we're sitting now with COVID-19 and the pandemic, but we know that because travel almost totally ceased, completely ceased, I, I think that we're seeing destinations themselves realize the importance of travel to their community and are willing to reinvest. Are you seeing the same thing now?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) the easiest way for us to convey the importance of travel was basically just cut it off. Um, The dive in tax revenues, the dive in in specifically um, hospitality related tax um, and just the sheer size of the Downturn in the hospitality industry sector. I mean, we make the point and we say this over and over again: there is no economic recovery without a hospitality industry recovery because we took the biggest hit. That said, um, we came back after nine eleven and became bigger than ever. We came back after the Great Recession and literally were at the biggest we'd ever been in the, literally the history of the earth. Um, and we're going to do it again. Um, people are. People like to travel. It's in their it's in their DNA, and um, I think elected officials everywhere got a good taste of just how important what it was and how it affects everything else. One thing that links to another. You know, you don't have the you know, the drugstore, the Seven Elevens, the grocery stores, and all those. If they're not getting the money from the people who are living off of tourism or travel, um, it just really affects the whole ecosystem.
0: Yeah, yeah, the ecosystem itself just gets crushed. Uh, under the weight of all that. You know, you've done an awful lot in, in your career in defending and protecting uh, your members and, and your community. Uh, and when I say community, I mean within your the eco-structure of, of your business. You've protected them uh, and fought for the travel bans and boycotts. Uh, do you still think that that's going to be a major issue? And, and if so, how are you dealing with that today?
1: It's um, still so gonna be an issue. Um, unfortunately, the, uh, the pandemic, we are always, for the first six months or so, we were like paying attention to what great changes that the pandemic were gonna, was gonna bring. And we basically came to the conclusion there were very few changes. It was just gonna accelerate all those changes that were going on before. Um, most of these pandemics are, since most of these bans and boycotts, particularly at the state or local level, um are being driven purely by politics Um, they're driven by the uh the red state versus blue state concept um it's a bad idea (laughs) um it's self-destruction and if you think about how do you change people's viewpoint you gotta travel there and meet with them and learn what it's like to live and see things from their point of view so it's counterproductive um I was hoping, having seen the importance of travel, it would go away, but we're seeing California still ticking off state after state after state that they're going to ban uh, not pay uh, uh, government funds for travel to those states, which is insane They're up to like you know 15, 17 states. Um, I've seen both ways. I've seen you know the left boycott certain locations for because of right. I've seen the right boycott certain locations because of, of left politics. Um, and it just doesn't achieve anything. Yeah, and it's, very, very few times that a boycott actually works.
0: That's right. And 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 you're right. It isn't one-sided. Uh, uh, there can be examples played on, on both sides of this. Yeah. One, of your many, one of your many responsibilities, and I heard you even address it a little bit earlier when you said a 12-month advocacy engagement rather than maybe what it had been done in the past or down down the road where it was one-offs or uh, particularly in local communities when you needed to go back and get your funding again and, right, and right. get things reauthorized. But one of your many responsibilities is advocacy, education, and training. For any DMI, uh, BMI, <laughs> BMI, Destinations International.
1: I still do that. Members,
0: see, that tells you I've been around a little bit too. Uh, <laughs> members listening to, to the show, what can they expect from your upcoming advocacy summit that you've got scheduled in October.
1: Uh, yeah, that's turned into like a, a must attend event, particularly within our industry. Um, and we're, what's cool is we're seeing a lot of board members now attending, which is great, because uh, they have to be integrally involved in this local advocacy effort. But um, last year, we released a, a, a version of an advocacy plan template. Um, building off actually some of the the concepts that were in the original advocacy uh, workbook that you put together with the the committee back then. That was a pleasure to be part of. Um, We're gonna release a 2.0 version, which hopefully will be more interactive. We've been continuing this discussion of becoming that community shared value, uh, the things that we talked about in 2019, and actually how you become that. We've released a workbook that helps People go from being that kind of uh, special interest to being that uh, community-shared value. Uh, We'll have more of that. We're going to be a little more tactical this year than we usually are, just because um, I think when we originally talked about becoming a community-shared value, I thought it was going to take four, eight, maybe even 10 years for everyone to kind of make that pivot. The pandemic forced everyone to make that pivot in like one to two years. Um, And and they had some
0: time to make that
1: pivot because they yeah. weren't doing some of the other things that they were
0: normally doing because of yeah. travel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So pivoting now and, and just concentrating on what you do 12 months a year, what, a, what does a advocacy plan, all the aspects of it, not just the traditional lobbying or grassroots plan, but all of it, what are the, all the touch points? Um, how do you get to those unusual suspects? How do you get them into the, into the, into the mix? How do you um, use your board? How do you use um Communication means that most likely you're already using in one way or another. How do you pivot that to the community? Um, what are those community things that you should be doing? What should be on your website? If I can if I can accomplish one thing is like get up get an about us section on your website that gives people relevant, upfront, transparent information about who you are and what you do. Um, And if I can get a message to every destination organization, stop pretending that your, you know, visit XYZ site is not being operated by the destination organization, live it, own it, lean into it, Um, because you're the expert and everyone knows you're the expert and everyone knows that's your website anyway. So, so take that role of expert, uh, take all that information that you have, our people have so much information, some they don't even realize Uh, that governments would kill to have um, and start playing that role in the community. Uh, The theme for the event is, you know, moving forward with intent. Um, I want our members to get out of a defensive posture. I don't want them to interact just when their budgets come up for review or if their budget is being attacked or if they've had a bad um, audit report or something like that. I want them to take the lead, take the advantage. Um, The pandemic as awful as it was, has provided us an immense opportunity. And it will be really awful to miss that. It would make the whole pandemic, um, I don't know how to say it, but it would make everything, you know, worthless.
0: Well, and I think one of the the values that you bring, and I think that probably your members see that more now in being able to have these tools because um, they were taken by surprise by this. as Mm -hmm. as we all were, it's not just that. Uh, But now having those tools, it becomes even more important to be a member of your organization now and and to participate in those things. You know, when you were talking about owning uh, the relevance and uh, what your intent is Mm -hmm. with everything, uh, you know, I created the seven branches of an advocacy tree because Mm -hmm. we, we talk about the fact that it's more than just government affairs. Right. And in my and in my list, it's you know government affairs, it's media, it's uh, public service, it is industry, it's brand, it's cause, it's people, and under every one of those major branches are the things that you're trying to teach your members to be exactly. able to do within their communities, so that the footprint becomes much larger.
1: Correct? Correct. The more people that know of you and know what it is you do, um, my this industry has really bad internal joke that I've been hearing for decades, which is not even my family understands what it is I do. And I I looked them in the eyes and tell them, if your family doesn't know, that means your neighbor doesn't know, your community doesn't know, your elected officials don't know, and don't think the hoteliers even know or the restaurateurs even know fully what you do. Our people work very hard doing very important work and it's time they start talking about it and let everyone know about it. Yeah, I I, I,
0: preaching to the choir, my friend, you all know. (laughs) Uh, The
1: other thing, just before you believe that, I just, I forgot one thing, which is one of the things we're launching this fall is what we call an awareness campaign. Uh, One of the things we found with the CARES Act um, is that it was relatively easy, as easy as dealing with, you know, Washington and Congress is, to get money for you know hotel industry or the restaurant industry uh, various rich. sectors of the industry um but when you walk in and say we need help for a destination organization they're like what is that and when you start putting in language in there about 501 c6s they instantly thought we were chambers of commerce or we were lobbying organizations and we're like no there's this whole sector of charitable function out there um, that's in the c6 arena that you're not you're not helping and uh, frankly are a huge number of jobs so it took a good long, what, five, six months before the second round of came and we were actually able to get in that bill, um, but we were being shoehorned in programs that actually weren't designed for us, making it even more difficult. Um, so what we wanna do is just raise the overall awareness and provide kind of like the air cover campaign for what's going on at the grassroots level by our members, just explaining, you know, what a destination organization is, what it is they do and how they fit in this new economy and that role that they play. So that's, we're getting excited about that. That's a multi-year effort. So another reason to be a member of DI.
0: There you go, always selling. Uh, (laughs) So, and and you should, and and what do you think most, and I don't want to direct this necessarily at your members, but what do you think most advocates lack when it comes to training what what's what do you think is the biggest gap out there?
1: Um, our industry is so good at telling stories that connect emotionally with visitors, people they're trying to attack uh, attract um, I need them to turn around and make that same approach to not just the elected officials and not just the industry stakeholders, but the people in that community. Um, We're in a political environment now where people are, you know, making decisions based on emotion and lining up in their various tribes. Um, We have a great story and a very emotional story to tell about not only um, how you can promote what happens when you promote your community, but how you do it, the story you tell, the history you tell. And I wish they would make much more effort in making those local connections, really in the community. Because like I've said before, if you can get the community on board, the politicians will follow. Um, and that's 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 so key. The other thing is um, you have this broader mission, now. Embrace it. Tell people about it. Tell them what you do and why they should talk to you. Um, yeah. I don't want you to release ROI information in your annual report at the annual meeting. I want you to push it out every quarter, every month, maybe monthly. Um, I want you to step forward. I want people to constantly be hearing about you. It's kind of a, a shift from being you know, defensive and taking on that offensive position.
0: No, I, you're, you're still correct when you, when you say that more visibility. Uh, And we talk about that from an advocacy standpoint. If you go once to meet with somebody, that's it. But if you're regular and you're giving updates and you're being truthful and you're there all the time, then you become a trusted uh, resource for those people. And when they trust you as that resource, uh, then they're more apt to understand your issues as well as, as uh, help, uh, depend and protect those issues as they come around.
1: And we're going to help them. And one of the things we're doing in September is we actually will be speaking to at the uh, annual conference of mayor's conference. And this is the topic that tourism now, you know, travel promotion is not just about heads and beds anymore. It's so much bigger. So I
0: completely we'll agree. So do you think then at the community level, are your grass tops or are your grassroots more important?
1: Um, Grass, I don't know, grassroots, I would think, if I'm understanding the question correctly. Um,
0: Yeah, I mean, you have, you know, organizations often look at things and say, okay, we have our grass tops advocates, those are the CEOs, those are the the people that, you know, employ a lot of people and so on and so forth. And then you have the grassroots, the people that uh, believe in what your cause is and and your issues are. So is there a difference of importance or do they each play a role?
1: You know, when I was back in Chicago and was working for what was then Chicago Convention and Tourism Bureau, uh, we had to do something quick. So we did really focus on the so-called grass tops. I pulled in every relationship I had. We used every major figure to get the leadership of the political structure behind us and being able to push that legislation through. And that was important. It was basically a leadership-focused um, uh, legislative strategy. Um, the problem with that is, like I, like I said, said the other day, it's like, what if the Speaker of the House resigns? Or what if the President of the Senate dies? Or worse yet, what, is your govern- what if your governor gets indicted? Because that, that happens a lot in Illinois. Um, the, whole, the whole strategy just crumbles. What you want for long-term health is that grassroots strategy. Um, have that strength within the civic community. Uh, It will just make your life so much easier. And be up, like I said, portray yourself as a civic, part of the civic fabric of your community. Um, That's the key element. Um, One of the reasons we dropped our membership rate to $99 was that I wanted to walk into any elected official's office and say, I represent 25 businesses, which means X number of, of employees, and it's in every ward of the city of Chicago. In fact, I can tell you how many are in your ward um that's the type of thing i want that i encourage
0: yeah and it's a, and it's the same with staff because today's staff often becomes tomorrow's elected official and by right. creating a deeper root system of the people that you know and that know you and know what you do uh, the, the better you are would you agree with that kind of a statement
1: yeah yeah definitely have deep roots. I I always like to tell people about the state senator that I worked very hard with on issues around McCormick Place and Navy Pier in Chicago, who ended up being president of the United States, okay? Uh, You never know where they're gonna go. Um, And I can't tell you how many people have worked on the staff of someone. And as a former staff person, legislative staff person, A, it's so important as the access point, because if you can get me on board, that means it goes into the analysis uh, if you if you can provide me the things I need to put in the analysis and make my life easier they're going to read that but yeah so many of us have actually gone on uh, to seek public office themselves.
0: That's right so you've addressed some things here but what other tools or best practices are important when it comes to growing and maybe educating new advocates?
1: Um, for us at least it's 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 a couple of things. It's shifting them to a value-based approach. So, you know, we talk a lot about ROI and let's face it, our industry has an amazing ROI, um, but don't lead with that. Leave with your values, leave with your emotions. Um, talk about what the value of your organization is in the town. So the same way we, you know, we talk about education because educated people are better workers and better citizens and just better people. Destination promotion in the modern world is basically a decision on whether your destination, your community is going to succeed or fail. Um, not doing it isn't really an option because you will lose, you'll lose ground. So it's it's such a, a community base and very emotional. So attach, attach that story and then tell your ROI story. Um, oh, God. Well, and, I,
0: and, and, to, and to bring that point across, and, and to, particularly to people that are not in this, this mm-hmm. industry, you see so many destinations fight over or, or really engage, or I shouldn't say fight, but really engage in trying to get major events. I mean, we've got the Tokyo Olympics going on as we are talking today, okay. and the world is paying attention to Tokyo, even though they're not there. But we, you know, Super Bowls and Final Fours and uh, you know, soccer tournaments and softball tournaments. That when people then get to those destinations and get that opportunity to be there and see that, and the media cover. I mean, on and on and on. You can you can talk about why that is so important, and that's part of a brand of a destination.
1: Yeah, um, it is really critical to get those events the impact. I used to when we. Uh when we uh, moved the, the NFL draft out of New York into Chicago and turned it into this big mega event, um, I was going around and talking to elected officials and I had several of them just say, why would we want the NFL draft? It's gonna bring a lot of people. I'm like, actually no, it's gonna bring just a relatively small number of people, but it is the longest running mini series on television. All those fantasy football players, it is wall to wall coverage and it's an outside person that is addressing a target audience of ours um, saying what a great place Chicago is. Yep. Um, and that really, and since it already kind of picked up to that sports element, that is a big part of the Chicago brand. Um, it was just magnified. It the same thing with the, getting the James Beard awards, which is doesn't have no anywhere near the ratings or whatever that the NFL can bring, but it just underscores that, that brand of your destination and yep. brings a whole new segment of people into a which is great. Um, and showing how I, the, the town I keep talking about right now is, is uh, Tampa Bay. I mean, uh, Tampa has changed so much in the last five years, even so much more since I was there 10 years ago as opposed to today. And part of that is basically driven by the successful uh, bringing of major events to that location and people taking a different view on what Tampa is all about.
0: And it's, and it's not necessarily... Simply the big destinations. I mean, we could give a ton of examples. Uh, I mean, whether you like it or not, uh, look at Sturgis, mm-hmm. and, and what happens, you know, with Harley Davidson and 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 the people going there. I think it's Twinsburg, Ohio, that has an annual uh, convention for twins that come right. that come there. I mean, but then there's twins from all over the country that are coming there, uh, and when, not only.
1: Yeah, one of the destinations I love is Rockford, Illinois, uh, where they don't have a lot of natural infrastructure. But what they've done is started creating events that people in the community would like to participate in and come to. But each one of those events is also decide, designed to grow into something that will draw visitors. Um, so you start with a pro. We start with a, a Christmas festival that is ninety-five percent. Uh, residents in year one by the time you get to year five it's you know 65 percent resident 35 percent visitor you just and it's
0: like the pebble in the pond yes you start by dropping the pebble and it's the local community and then it just keeps exponentially growing because more and more people hear of it like it and and want to be a part of that yes. so as we're coming close to the end you're a chief advocacy officer <laughs> So what is the first thing that comes to mind when you think of the word
1: advocacy? It's basically communicating a position or a, an organization and telling that story and why it's worth that person knowing about it and paying attention and ultimately investing in it. Um, It's a, it can be a pursuit of a, a legislative vote or a piece of legislation, but it could also just be a pursuit of knowledge or a partnership, or you're basically advocating, you're basically telling that story of your organization to anyone and everyone you can, because you don't know how everyone can help you. Yes. The thing about our destination, um, our customers, I mean, excuse me, our, our, our membership is, we don't own anything. We, 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 uh, we, uh, a lot of time spending other people's money promoting other people's property and we do this with a a vague notion of a something you call a brand which is actually made up of all the people in the community and it's owned by all the people in the community so there's a fiduciary responsibility but you have this ability to tell everyone what's that's what that's all about and why it's important
0: excellent well as you can hear uh we've had another great guest so jack Any final thoughts? Anything you'd like to add?
1: No, it's just great to finally be able to make this work with you. I've known you for, what, 10, 15 years, um, worked together on the original uh, toolkit here when it was DMAI. It's just, it's a pleasure to work with you again.
0: Well, I love that. And it's great seeing you and and hearing your your voice. Uh, How can people reach you or DI if they want more information?
1: Um, The website's a great place to start, destinationsinternational.org. My email is jjohnson at destinationsinternational.org. But uh, if you go to the Destinations International website, pop up to the right corner, hit on advocacy, and there's a whole bunch of stuff there. So you'll see what we're working on. You'll see stuff that's available. We have a very active blog that's really almost totally driven by the advocacy and research team. Um, A lot of good information there. And a lot of it's in front of the wall available to anyone. And not just members.
0: And I would add uh, that your members and the, the people who are engaged in your business uh, should definitely attend the October Advocacy Summit, correct?
1: Yes, yes, please, please. <laughs> it's actually two events in one. We're having a half-day micro-summit, we're calling it on funding, uh, and then two days on the broader topic of advocacy. Yeah.
0: Excellent. Well, that's a wrap of today's great conversation with Jack Johnson, the Chief Advocacy Offer for Destinations International. Thank you, Jack, uh, for being on the show today. My pleasure. And now it's time for the Advocacy Engagement Tip. Earlier in the show, I mentioned the seven branches of the advocacy tree, which are Government Affairs, Media, Public service, cause, brand, industry, and people. We will dive into each of these seven branches of the advocacy tree during the next seven episodes. We are proud to have Rap Index as a sponsor to the show. Let's face it, today's advocacy arena is just plain noisy. Organizations are stretched. You need every advantage to make sure your issue gets the attention it deserves and your voice heard. The RAP Index is the best way to do just that by finding your stakeholders' relationships and engagement power. Get past the noise. Know who your people know. Go to rapindex.com. That's R-A-P-Index.com. And tell them Roger sent you for a special offer. If you like today's podcast, head over to where you find your podcasts and subscribe to the Voices in Advocacy podcast today. A big thank you to today's guest. I appreciate your time and unwavering passion for advocacy. Well, that's it for this episode of Voices in Advocacy. Remember, you have the power to be an effective, influential advocate. Now go out and make it a better world. We hope you enjoyed today's Voices in Advocacy podcast and look forward to you joining us again next week. To learn more about Voices in Advocacy, go to our website, VoicesinAdvocacy.com.